I've been in hospital three separate times. One was the big three-week stay in the coma. Number two was the nerve damage diagnosis. Number three was a surprise attack out of nowhere, and I couldn't breathe properly. You know, perfectly healthy 17-year-old, no underlying conditions. It's crazy. Behind every case, there's a story. Protect yourself and each other. Be antiviral. Hear more at antiviralireland.com. Supported by the Government of Ireland. Hi, I'm Chloe Maidley, author of The Four Week Body Blitz and now The Fat Loss Blitz. And welcome to my new podcast, The Vodcast. So over the next few weeks, I'm going to be talking to all of my favorite celebrities and health and fitness professionals about everything you can think of in terms of diet, nutrition, training, fat loss, muscle building. I'm going to be asking them all the questions that I think you guys will benefit from hearing the answers to. So without further ado, here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. Now, my next guest is a number one health and fitness podcaster in the game. It's Ben Coomer, everybody. So uh, let me give you a little bit of background on Ben. He is a coach, a nutritionist, a public speaker. As I said, he has the number one health and fitness podcast out there, but he also has his own educational courses available. And he has just started his very own supplement line, Awesome Sucks. Uh, Anyone who knows Ben knows that he has coined the word awesome and that he fully believes in the sentiment, expecting nothing less from his own life or from yours for that matter. So... Let's all welcome Ben. Hi, Ben. Hello. I'm trying. I should probably go over to America because they love the word awesome more than the UK do, but I'm trying my yeah, best. I know. I mean, how did you even get so entrenched in the word? I mean, you are synonymous with this word now. Well, I just use it. I just use it a lot. And then love it. <laughs> we, were, we were kind of sat down like, well, what do you call a supplement business? And everything's been done. And it seems like every company makes itself after three letters. Like, oh God, you're right. And then we were we were like thinking of all these three letter words, and we're like, no, 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 and like everything, and felt like it was taken. And I was like, can you call a supplement company awesome supplements? And I was like, it'd be so easy. You can yeah. have awesome whey protein, awesome pre workout, awesome this. And I was like, right, done. Yeah. And then everyone's like, you can't trademark it. I was like, I don't care. Let's can just you go not? for it. No, because it's just a general term. It's just awesome. I really thought you could trademark anything you wanted. It didn't quite work like that. Other than Kylie, I mean, if Kylie Jenner can't trademark Kylie. Mm. There are obviously some hurdles to jump through, people. Wait, jump over. Who's to jump through? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Obstacles in the way. <laughs> right, okay. So, uh, I should actually tell you all this. I'm really nervous to do a podcast with Ben because he's a bit of a pro at this. And I've actually already done his podcast. Um, so, this is kind of round two for us. And I, I just feel like I'm being judged. <laughs> Don't be silly. <laughs> Podcasting's amazing because we're just sitting down having a chat. Having a good old... Like, there's nothing going on. We're in a box with furry stuff on the wall to make sure we sound nice. And that's it. Oh, okay. I mean, the penny just dropped with the... They look like um, canvases. No, they're, they're, they're functional. Yeah. They're yeah. I just Okay, fine. So we're just going to swiftly move on. Yeah. Right, so Ben, for those people that don't know who you are, what yeah. you're about, where you come from, what's your name, where'd you come from? Oh, health and fitness guy. Uh, got into this because I was obese. I was 16 stone when I left school. I was destined to follow a path of acting. I 
did drama for like 10 years. I was always in the arts and kind of looked at myself one day and I went, mm, not convinced I can make it looking and feeling like I did. So I kind of embarked on the journey and I hit loads of hurdles and it was those hurdles that made me had to try harder to kind of get the weight off. And then I found, you know, a few things that work and I lost uh, five and a half stone in like six months. Wow. The weight just peeled off me and I was like, oh, and obviously that makes you passionate. You're like, you have a new lease of life. You've changed your life. Exactly. So I literally done a personal training course for my own interest to, to train myself more intelligently and then just got the bug, got some really good mentors, got some really good guidance um, and just never looked back at the acting. I suppose luckily I'm now in a position where there's cool things like podcasting and video and stuff and I've kind of married the health and fitness thing with kind of chatting about things on video and audio. Oh, well, you're very good at it. Try. No, you are. I mean, I, I think so. A lot of people um, interview my partner, James. I've been interviewed a fair few times. And I think my favorite interviews that he's done to date are with you. And my favorite one to be a part of was with you. Because I think you asked really kind of left of field, new, interesting questions that people don't tend to ask. I suppose just because of my own intrigue, I want to know the story next to the story yeah and I think all great interviewers have always done that and if I'm gonna be a podcaster I have to learn how to be a good interviewer yeah and you know if 10 people all uh, interview you they're gonna ask the same question oh, tell me about the book tell me about this tell me about that mm-hmm. and you're sitting there going oh, ask me something different yeah so I'm always thinking what, what do we what do we not know my chat, for those of you who, who haven't listened to uh, the chat I did with Ben, first of all, go listen to it. Um, but he, we talked a lot about my anxiety and actually my mental health and how what I do now has really uh, kind of saved me in a way. Um, and it, it did really feel like therapy, yeah. the whole chat. It was, it was incredible. So, okay, so you were obese and you were unhappy. Mm-hmm. How old were you when you decided to change and what was the main spark that made you think, okay, actually, I need to change this now? Because I think people get very used to their way of living, their way of feeling, their way of being. um, And it's incredibly hard to shake them out of it and implement, I mean, the huge amount of changes that need to be implemented in their day to day life. So what was the thing? What was the push for you? Well, I left school and I've been at boarding school all my life. So I'd had structure ever since the age of like 10 clean your shoes at this time, go to bed at that time, all that stuff. So I left and I was like, wow, I'm all on my own. Uh, I kind of need to shape a career. I'm not going to go to uni yet. I can't get into drama school because I, I didn't get in. And, you know, I was still trying and doing the interviews and stuff. Yeah. And I kind of looked at myself one day and just said, well, what, what do I need to do to improve my chances of success? And I said, well, I'm not fit. I'm not healthy. I'm not happy. Uh, if I can improve how I look and feel if I can be fitter and if I can basically set myself up on every level to be successful in my career because I want to have a great career, mm. then um, why wouldn't I do that? Why wouldn't I make those changes? So I just embarked on the journey, literally tied up my laces, started running one day. Um, and I was always active, don't get me wrong. So the diet was the main component. I've always played rugby since a young age, all sorts of sports, but it was the diet stuff. And, you know, when you go to school, you can eat whatever you want. Like the chip trays just got a scoop in it and you can have how, how much you want. You can go back for seconds for pudding. So there was a reason I was fat. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I'm genetically quite lucky, I think. I was really skinny my whole childhood growing up. I was always the little weak but I <laughs> I used to bunk lessons and lock myself in the tuck shop and just sit there eating like toast and butter and pot noodles and Max Paprika and Willy Wonka chocolate bars. I don't know 
how I got very lucky. I think I have my dad's genetics, yeah. but I didn't pile it on. But yeah, kids, like we don't. I was talking to Bradley Simmons, uh, you know, on this on the podcast, and uh, we were talking about how you just have no idea before yeah. you start learning about nutrition. And now I, you know, I look at people who ask questions and I think, well, that's an obvious question. But then I'm like, hang on, mm. I didn't know that till I knew that. Do you know what I yeah. mean? It's crazy. Yeah. And the reality is, if if people did have a sense of clarity, would we have all the issues that we do? And, and we think it's obvious, but you know our knowledge level is so far removed for where people are at, oh, yeah. and that's why people walk up to you and go, "So tell me what to eat." Yeah, and it, it literally starts there, and you're like, "Okay." <laughs> but I do also think that it is if you if you take a second just to stop and think about it. You do already know the answer. It's quite Agreed. instinctive. I think the problem is, is that people don't take that second to think about it. And that's where they trip up a bit. Mm. Okay, so you started running. How did the diet change? When did you realize that that was the deciding factor? And how did you start to change it? Because I think the habit of just kind of eating what you want when you want is the hardest thing to break. Yeah, so started just making better choices from the information I knew, you know, eating less crap, eating more vegetables, that kind of stuff. And it wasn't really working. I wasn't getting a lot of success. I was obviously still eating too much. Mm-hmm. And um, I had an argument one day with my brother. Um, and obviously I bully him at that age because I'm the older brother and that's kind of kind of the thing you do. Yeah. And um, he, we just had this big blowout and he goes, you're not so perfect. And I was like, crap. It was like that intervention moment where, you know, things have got really heated and that's my, one of my favorite aspects of tony robbins work it's like if you want to change you've got to have a dramatic intervention sometime you've got to slam the brakes on and go whoa like yeah. what's happening where are you at yeah. let's reevaluate. let's look to move forward and that was my moment and i was like right i don't know how to do this where do people live that know how to do this mm. oh a gym so I went and joined a gym, went and joined a, um, a big commercial gym and just happened to fall in the hands of a great trainer. He said, right, read this book, How to Eat, Move and Be Healthy by Paul Check. Got it off Amazon, read it in a week, just started doing it. And naturally, that book was quite uh, natural. It had a very paleo element to it. It talked about Back food. Back paleo was the way. Yeah, yeah. and it, it talked about food intolerances and all that kind of stuff. And I always thought I'd had a bit of an issue with dairy and a few other things. So I just like stripped my diet right out, took loads of things, kind of went low-carb paleo. Mm. And the, it, literally, the, the fat melted off me. Um, yeah. And for years, I thought the, the low-carb paleo diet was absolutely the king. diet. Yeah, yeah, and why wouldn't I? I'd had great experience with it. So yeah. I developed a really heavy personal personal bias which is something that we see all the time in health and fitness like oh this works I'm like it worked because you correlate that with your success Mm -hmm. but it might be secondary to something else you did Mm -hmm. Uh, and the reality is is that diet made me healthier because it improved uh, my nutrition overall but it also made me eat less yeah and that is the reality of how I lost weight okay so you talk about where you started with with the exercise and then which diet initially worked really well for you I think we all know, um, those of us who've been doing this for a while, that there are a million and one different ways to successfully diet. Mm. The main, uh, the, the crux of your success comes down to food intake, uh, energy balance. That's how much you're eating versus how much you're burning. Um, that's calories, <laughs> to, to simplify it down into one word. What is your diet like now? What's your nutrition like now? Um, and, and how has it changed and why has it changed and... Does it better suit you in your life? 
So it does suit me better in my life. Um, so I stayed kind of like a paleo low carbish for about four or five years. Um, I ended up going to university. So I then invested a lot of time into a more scientific approach to yeah. looking at diet and nutrition. So I did a degree in uh, sports performance and coaching. That led me then into do uh, a course with the International Society of Sports Nutrition. So I got very geeky with the nutrition and it just basically opened up my eyes. And yeah. then I started to reflect on the mechanisms that I'd taken to lose weight and where the facts actually were so I started to get very specific with my nutrition looking at calories and macronutrients intake every day and got really geeky with it just for those who don't know can you just give a very simple explanation of what a macro is yeah so macronutrients made up of three components you've got protein carbohydrates and fat so protein would traditionally be chicken fish vegan sources, tofu, that kind of stuff. Carbohydrates are essentially plants. And fats, you've got things like oils, uh, dairy, uh, nuts, seeds, that kind of stuff. So they're your bracket food groups. So I got very geeky with tracking all that stuff every day. And because I engaged in that process, I learned a lot about food. So every day now, I keep a rough idea of my overall calorie intake, but I don't track any of my overall macronutrient intake. I know I'm roughly fairly balanced. I, I know what you do. Will you tell people what you do? Because I love this. Yeah, so I just use my iPhone calculator. So this morning I got up and I had a chunk of ham because I cooked a ham hock and two apples. So I put plus 200, <laughs> plus 80, plus 80 into my calculator and that was my breakfast. Later on I had six eggs and loads of rice. So I just put that into my calculator, mm-hmm. six, 70 times 6, plus 350, mm-hmm. done. Um, on the way here I had a load of fruit with yogurt and some like nuts and seeds on top. So I kind of put that in mm-hmm. and it's just really simple. It takes me like two minutes a day, but and I know how, where my nutrition is. How did you learn to be that uh, kind of aware naturally of how much is in what was that through tracking initially? Yeah. Right. And the, and this is a problem that I'm seeing in my coaching practice now is that people are struggling with my fitness power because they're worried about breaking away from it. Yeah. Because there's control there, right? So the problem I see is that people are not engaging in what they're learning. They're just using my fitness pal to track their food to get a result. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, you, you, you need to engage. So if you put in a banana and it tells you 100 calories, I want you to try and make a mental note of, of that. Of course, yeah. So over time, when you pick up a banana and a, a hunk of whatever you can go oh, okay that's roughly a 300 calorie snack what would the hunk be <laughs> the hunk of what? Um, nut butter <laughs> continue there we go nut butter there we go perfect you example know, yeah you instinctively know and again ben and i talked about this on his podcast recently that i do want to get to a point in in 2019 where i just instinctively track much like you do and mm. break away from my fitness pal because it has been really helpful for me i started out on a meal plan which is how i start the majority of my clients out um, moved on to my fitness pal which has been incredibly helpful in terms of my knowledge about nutrition and food um but recently i would say in the last few months it's become quite long-winded for me and it's actually started to feel quite oppressive so i do think there is a time and a place to um i think put the work in learn about food learn about nutrition with with the hope that it's a means to an end and Mm. eventually you will instinctively know what you're putting in your body Mm. there's a tool for every job and I know it's a very big thing around the London sort of fitness scene because I've been to quite a few London events talking about it. And the whole idea of intuitive eating is absolutely brilliant. But you can't sit in front of an audience of people promoting intuitive eating without going through the process of learning mm-hmm. how to intuitively eat. That doesn't work. Yeah. 
So, you know, I've been in audiences where, you know, a, a coach has gone, oh, you know, I just eat what I want. and da, 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 da. I hate that. Yeah, but someone sitting there is like, okay, that's great. And then goes home and puts flipping 100 grams of almond butter on their toast and wonders why they're not losing weight. Cause, 100%. <laughs> so know. I think, you know, the time intuitive eating is, uh, is wonderful in theory, but Ben's completely right. If you don't have the knowledge to back that up with practice, mm. you're probably going to fail because you have no idea what you're putting in your body. Yeah, I yep. mean, it's that simple. Uh, okay, so now we know that you started to change your body through exercise. Uh, you started to become very aware of nutrition, diet, how it worked for you. You then moved on to science-based approaches, which, just so we're clear, really is in an ideal world where everybody should kind of immediately uh, start and refer to. If you do start to get really into your diet and your training, don't just go with the whole kind of what works for you dogmatic approach. Start to do your research. Why is it working? What are the deciding factors? How are other ways that those deciding factors could manifest themselves and work for you? Um, expand your knowledge, expand your horizons, and you're a lot less likely to feel cornered or oppressed by your new journey. That is my biggest bit of advice. Um, so you started to learn all of this. Now, how did it snowball into becoming your career like it is now? I mean, you have your fingers on a lot of fitness pies. Mm, love a fitness pie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know what? I just ran with it. I'm a very passionate person. Um, and when I get an idea, I just I just sort of run with it. So when I was at university, I was at personal training. And, you know, I enjoy personal training, but it, I just never felt it was my calling. So saw the kind of internet movement around 2008. Everyone was getting on Facebook and doing all that kind of stuff. And when I was at university, there was an enterprise center, which is uh, essentially uh, how to get and grow a business and kind of learn about it. So I joined this enterprise center because I liked the idea of owning uh, an internet business, yeah. being able to coach people from all over the world. So uh, I built a business called yourdietadvisor.co.uk. It was an absolute colossal fail, made all my business <laughs> mistakes sort of there. And then um, built another business and basically did online coaching for about four or five years it then became you know a very competitive space and mm. I also again evolved in my practice and I wanted to teach other coaches what I knew mm. and what the science was saying so they could go and help and teach other people so we then developed uh, the BTN Academy which is you know nutrition education and then after that everything else has come just literally out of frustration for what's happening <laughs> in the fitness industry it's mm. like ah oh, like I wish that would stop happening. Okay, what can I do about it? I can go and educate. I can create media, podcasts, all that kind of stuff. And then that's how we got into the supplement space. I was working with a supplement company and I was just pulling my hair out with messages. You know, people were sending me like, oh, would you recommend this supplement? And I'm like, no. And they're like, the company you work with, sell it. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've all been there. Yeah, and yeah. It, it just got really frustrating. So I thought, screw it, how hard can it be to supplement? start a supplement company let, let's do it and let's try and educate in the right way and uh actually turns out it's really hard to run a supplement company yeah yeah <laughs> I, I had my own supplements for a while there and i uh bowed out quite quickly yeah, yeah. man it's tough but it's, uh, yeah. we're slowly getting somewhere and we think we're doing the right thing message wise and i think that's important and i think if enough people can do that in the fitness industry then we can have a wave of change I like, um, actually, uh, this is something that I haven't touched on with any of my guests so far, and I can't think of a better person to do it. So when I uh, first started dieting and training and, and kind of getting into this lifestyle, I was really concerned with my supplement intake. What was I taking? When was I taking it? Um, I then kind of uh, got to a point where I kind of 
became quite scolding of supplements and I mm. was like you know what this is a this is a load of crap and, yep. I, and I, I, I don't want to spend my money on this anymore I'm going to get everything I need for my nutrition blah, blah blah then I had a very interesting conversation with Matt Lovell Yep. Um, who, for those of you who don't know, is a brilliant nutritionist, um, and uh, found somebody called Rhonda Patrick, who's incredible, um, and did a lot more research. Again, came full circle to science-based approaches. Uh, relearned about supplementation, and now I am back to taking my supplements. I don't obviously rely on them in terms of my nutritional benefits, but there are some supplements that I would feel uncomfortable cutting out for more than a few months at a time, mm. um, such as fish oils, you know, dementia yep. runs in my family, um, things like magnesium, probiotics, um, X, Y, Z. Now, why don't you, uh, as succinctly and, and helpfully as you can, kind of summarize for my audience what supplements you recommend and why, what the benefits are, and what supplements you would kind of bin? Sure. So... It definitely depends on people's situation, as ever. When we look at the research, most people are deficient in vitamin D because mm -hmm. you don't get outside anymore. We don't eat enough vitamin D-rich foods. Then we've got fish oil, so omega-3. So we're not eating enough oily fish, mm -hmm. flax, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, so again, if, if your diet includes all of this, then there's a rationale not to take it. Yeah. But overwhelmingly, not many people are eating things like salmon and mackerel and sardines, that kind of stuff. Uh, you then got magnesium. Mm. Um I personally believe there's a huge stress component. So magnesium is susceptible to being used, uh, for example, in the ATP energy cycle. So that okay. means if you're going to boot camp six days a week, you're churning through magnesium mm -hmm. in this process of creating energy. So there's a lifestyle component of why our need of, of, of magnesium has been increased. Mm -hmm. um, so they're the key kind of things you could argue. Um, that a multivitamin would be helpful depending on your diet. Again, if you consistently eat great food, probably wouldn't probably wouldn't worry about it. Yeah. If you travel a bit, you know, have down periods where you're not eating as well, then there's an argument to almost have a safety net. Yeah. It's not really going to harm you if you're eating a multi, uh, taking a multivitamin that's just got 100% of the RDA of everything. Mm -hmm. After that, it's environment and lifestyle and the individual status dependent. So if someone has a, a condition or a problem or let's say they're, they're perimenopausal or something like that, yeah. there's maybe certain nutrients that we might put in there. Mm -hmm. But again, you, you want to be working with someone that knows their stuff. You don't want to be just Googling around going, yeah. oh, what can help this? And, and just... it can work both ways, right? If you have certain cancers or disease states, for example, there are certain vitamins you should probably stay away from supplementing in your diet. So I think if you are... If you're in a, in a, in a specific uh, physical uh, situation, you probably do want to speak to a dietitian, a dietitian, a nutritionist, a doctor, somebody. There was a monster who lived in the trees, in a house that would rattle and shake in the breeze. It was cold and small with a terrible leak that would drip on her head and her hands and her beak. She needed it fixed and all in one batch because she had an egg that was ready to hatch. So she went to the credit union for a renovation loan and got new windows, insulation and extended her home. Monster loans from the credit union. Imagine more. Loans are subject to approval. Terms and conditions apply. If you do not meet the repayments on your loan, your account will go into arrears. This may affect your credit rating, which may limit your ability to access credit in the future. Credit unions in the Republic of Ireland are regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. I didn't think of it that way, of risking your life going to work. But seeing my colleagues pass away in our own ICU, it's just heartbreaking. Please stick with us for a while and just make our lives a little bit easier. And then we can all be together again. Behind every case, there's a story. 
Protect yourself and each other. Be antiviral. Hear more at antiviralireland.com. Supported by the Government of Ireland. You can actually point you in the right direction. Definitely. Definitely. Then on top of that, you've then got the kind of recovery and performance layers, what people do in training-wise, and you can then get a lot more geeky. You know, you've got creatine, beta-ranoline, um, having supplemental protein can help people with busy lifestyles because protein's just quite cheap, quite easy. Yeah. Um, you know, can we argue that real food is better? Of course it is, but there's a convenience factor here and it helps people. Um, you've then got other things like recovery shakes. But again, I would sit someone down and say, hey, what's your situation? You know, what's your lifestyle? Brilliant. Yeah, these couple of things could help. Yeah. And I actually think that for me, what well, I think anybody who has um, muscle building or muscle maintenance goals will know that the amino acid profile is paramount to figure out. Um, and, you know, that doesn't matter if you're a vegan, if you're a vegetarian, whatever it is you do kind of need to figure out how you're going to get your protein in. And I have a huge sweet tooth. So when I'm in a fat loss phase, I bake with that. And it is just incredibly helpful mm. to me. Um, so if you have a sweet tooth and you struggle to to kind of curb that craving, it can be really, really helpful. But do you find you can get it filling enough? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, because you have like emulsifiers now. So you know, like if I put like a scoop of like a... Uh, like, um, Xanthan gum. Yeah, okay. Oh. So you're kind of adding a bit of fibre to yeah. sort of help. Yeah, but you yeah. best believe that the scale is going to go off in the morning and you're going to have a food baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it works. Um, okay, right. So now you've moved into coaching and you obviously know your stuff, which I love. Uh, and that's why I love your podcast so much. And I highly recommend that you all listen to, to Ben's podcast. Um, Let's just keep it very simple. And I know you hate this because all context is lost with questions like this. But what is your biggest belief system when it comes to health and fitness? Like, what is your, if you had to speak now and tell people, here is a law to live by, what would that be? It could be anything from training advice to dietary advice to do your research to talk to a professional, whatever, whatever you think is the main thing that people who want to get into this or people who are getting into this know right from the off, what would it be? So we talked at the beginning about living an awesome life. Mm -hmm. It would be that, live an awesome life. And to you, if that is being in the best shape possible, eating the best food because it's going to fuel you in lots of different ways, pushing with your career, do all of that kind of stuff. And when I sit down in front of people and say, are you living your best life? Do you feel awesome every day? And if they're sitting there saying no, and I'm going, right, what one small change can we make tomorrow that will lead you on that path? You take that small step, we'll start to build confidence, we'll start to empower that person, and then they go, well, actually, now I'm doing that, I'd quite like to maybe join a gym or join a, a, an endurance club, like do a triathlon, whatever. So it's about raising that question on a personal level, like yeah. where are you at, where do you want to go? Okay, let's move some blocks in that are going to help support that journey. Um, you know, we could go off in loads of different tangents of stuff that I'd love people to think about yeah. and eat real food and all that kind of stuff. But if I always come back to someone's overriding value proposition for their life, for me, that has to spur change. And that's when I was 18, I looked in the mirror and I was like, am I living my best life? I was yeah. like, no, far from it. What do I need to do? Right, go for a run, eat better, drink more water. And all the changes started to happen very, very quickly. Well, it makes sense that, that your biggest piece of advice for somebody in terms of changing their life in this way would be the one thing that happened to you, which is, hang on, 
I'm not getting, I don't feel how I want to feel. I don't look how I want to look. I'm not getting the opportunities I want to get. I need to change. And from there, just you just snowballed and snowballed and snowballed, uh, I guess, a drive, which turned into a passion, which turned into a career. Mm. So it, t- it totally makes sense that that would be your... Um, that would be your mantra kind of thing. So now you are where you are. Where, what's the big dream? What's the, what's the, oh, I would love to do that. Or, oh, I I would love to get there one day. I have always said my big dream is to do something on TV with Jamie Oliver. Always said it. Right, ever since I first started my podcast, everything. Just then the cause... body coach beat you to the punch and you were like, damn it. <laughs> the body who? No. The body what? <laughs> we don't talk about him in these circles because he's just, he's just too much. <laughs> it's too much. Um, you know, I'm a passionate guy and I want more people to realise their potential. So always looking at what can I do to have a bigger stage, to have my voice is, is always something. I'm always going to keep following what I'm passionate about. I struggle with that because I'm very passionate about a lot of stuff. Mm. So sitting here right now, I'm like, oh, I'd love to have a, like, a proper radio show and you know be a radio DJ because this is really fun and cool. And then I'll go home and I'll start writing and I'm like, oh, I need to write that book. And now and then I'll <laughs> go and do something with the supplements. I'm like, oh, we need to go and create this product. So like Yeah. So I'm an excitable guy. I'm yeah. going to keep going. Um, hopefully going to write a couple of books next year. Again, I love writing. I've got so many ideas that I want to pin down. So it's, it's just keep keeping going, keeping yeah. doing cool stuff, keep inspiring people. And public speaking as well, I love it. Love standing in front of a room full of people and just watching their eyes widen and seeing their potential unfold. I love that. Talk a bit about your uh, public speaking heroes. Ooh, uh, Tony Robbins. No, I mean, I wish I should have just said hero because that's where I was going with it. Yeah. Just tell us a little bit about your Tony Robbins story because I like this story. So I went there, I've been resisting it for a while and I had a client who was like, I'm in the Tony Robbins circle. Would you like a ticket? I was like, wow, that's a very kind gift. And they basically said, we'll give you a ticket if you, you know, help do a bit of PR and do a bit of review on it. I was like, that's an incredible opportunity. So I paid for my flights and all that kind of stuff over there. And, you know, it was amazing. I I said to myself, look, I'm going to go in with completely open eyes. And like anything in life, there's a few things that I wouldn't do that Tony might do or wouldn't talk about. But that's his approach and I've got my approach. But it was a truly... I will always say it was a truly life-changing experience because anything that I can do to un- unravel another layer of my onion, to understand <laughs> myself, yeah. I'm I'm going to take that opportunity because yeah. I, I want to see what what's there, like what potential do I have. So it was incredible. It was incredible to see a man have 10,000 people on their feet changing their lives. Yeah. And, you know, there was... You, you walk into this room and you can just see pain and anguish and fear through everyone. And I left after four days and everyone looked like they were on a cloud. Mm-hmm. Like they knew how to solve their problems. They felt empowered. And I felt like Superman for like four weeks. And there was a bit of a come down and I was like, right, how do I get a bit of that energy again? But you, you've got to admire people that have sculpted a career on inspiring other people at the, the, the top level. Making and I loved it. feel good. Yeah. 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 But I mean, I mean, this is one thing that I, that I always feel quite uh, cynical is the wrong word. It's too strong, quite doubtful of is how and I know so many people who've done similar things like that. Mm. And I and I, and I it does seem quite short lived to that feeling. Yep. Uh, so how, I mean, I think that kind of 
cognitive behavioural therapy, that is something that has to be practised and worked on if you want to maintain that level of, I guess, um, enlightenment. Yep. I think part of it, I reflect on this a lot because I'm obviously surrounded by a lot of amazing people. Yeah. You'll know this, James will know this, like quite often when you're in a position where you have days where there's a lot of highs, like let's use James's example, he goes and plays a rugby match, mm. he's in front of 80,000 people, mm. like amazing performance, and then it's Monday and you're just on the sofa with the dog, with like nothing's really car, happening. Yeah. Move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and there's a huge high and a massive low. Yeah. For me, I might do a podcast today and then tomorrow I'm just stuck behind my emails. Mm -hmm. And actually managing that high and that low all the time. And the more extreme that gets, the harder it is to manage. So people always say to me like, oh, you know, you must be so mentally strong. There's loads of things that I keep doing every day to keep my my sanity. Because again, I can have these lows as well. So I attend a lot of self-development events Mm -hmm. because I keep getting that boost of energy from other people. And... For someone that's getting into health and fitness, it might be just turning up to the gym four days a week because they get that boost from the other people in the gym, Mm -hmm. the staff on the front desk, like whatever your environment is that you have to put yourself in to feel your best self, do it. Mm -hmm. And that means I have to make regular trips to London to to do little events and get inspired and talk to people. You are on the go a lot. I I follow you on social media and and I I feel tired (laughs) watching your day unfold. I'm like, oh God, I don't think I could do that. But you're completely right. It's subjective. Yeah. are you your best self yeah you know and I'll, I'll admit i'm currently doing slightly too much um i'm currently doing a movember campaign and at the beginning of the month i was like ah oh, this is a great idea do an amazing thing for charity and it is but it's not very good if it kind of half breaks you at the same time yeah it's not as easy as just raising a bit of money it's time attention expectation from other people oh yeah if you like, decide to tie yourself to a charity you are you are tied to you know to work for them and mm. to make them to really milk that that cow for as much as it's worth otherwise what's the point Mm. you know yeah it's a it is it's real it's a real kind Mm. of schedule yeah although i like the tash (laughs) i do like the tash yeah i'm so happy james didn't do it this year (laughs) i was like don't you dare i seriously movember although it's a brilliant cause was the reason why it took him so long to get me to agree to go on a date with him because I was like, I just can't date no somebody way. with that mustache. <laughs> I just can't. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. No. Um, okay, I have you here, so I'm going to uh, use you. Ooh. I'm going to squeeze you for all your worth. Bust a myth or two for us, and I know you'll love this because you love, you love having a little scientific reality check. Probably sugar isn't evil and carbs aren't evil. Yeah. You know... It, Carbs are the most basic energy source of the body, yet they're readily digested in some forms. Yes, you know, they're going to... The best way to describe it, yes, they will very quickly lead to a hypercaloric environment. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to overconsume carbohydrate foods. For me, it's very easy to overconsume a little bit of beer. Love beer. Um, (laughs) Same with me and red wine. (laughs) There we go. That's that's a very easy way to overconsume. You know, you get a bag of sweets at the cinema. It's not that the sugar is bad. Um, yes, it's nutrient devoid, so yeah. th- there's a there's a nutrient component there, but you know I don't want to see people label food good or bad because it doesn't really lead to anything positive long term. Um, I have a bit of sugar in my diet, I have alcohol in my diet, I have takeaway once maybe twice a week in my diet. 
but it's balanced with a lot of really good food that nourishes me. And I won't do anything that is truly counterproductive. Like I won't eat something that I know two hours later I'm going to feel like rubbish. Yeah. Like literally, what's the point? Yeah. Like the idea of eating a McDonald's has zero, zero Interesting. Yeah, interest to me because I know I'll feel crud in 50, uh, 15 minutes. You like, know what's so funny. Like, I remember before doing my exams at school, me and my friends, I don't know, obviously, we just didn't know what we were doing. We would all go and have a mega McDonald's before our exams. And, like, it took me, I think, a good few weeks of doing my, I think, GCSEs at the time to realize the reason I felt so crap when I was doing my exams <laughs> is because I was drowning in McDonald's. I think that might have been the first nutritional awakening I ever had. And yeah, I, I generally, I do crave it sometimes, but I very rarely eat it. James, I <laughs> frequently, he'll hand me his phone and be like, babe, can you put my breakfast in this morning? And I'll like, just have a little look around on his, uh, on his MyFitnessPal. And he can house a McDonald's and <laughs> regularly does and doesn't tell me. I'm just like, how do you do that? But yeah. he's so huge. I just wonder if he just burns through it like Oh, quick that time. guy's daily calorie need, come on. Yeah. Huge. I mean, huge. It's it's crazy. But like the first thing he woke up, he he just had an operation on his ankle. The, the poor guy, and he uh, he woke up, and as soon as he was you know able to form a sentence, which was an amazing few minutes of my life, he was like, <laughs> "I need a McDonald's." <laughs> I was like, what? You should be sponsored. <laughs> I don't know how he does it. Oh, that four thousand calorie a day diet. Wow. That's so depressing. <laughs> um, I completely agree with you. Um. Yeah, I, I went I went to, obviously my first book, The Four Week Body Blitz, is very strict when it comes to diet, hence the title. Um, and in my second book, I kind of tried to go to great lengths uh, in the fat loss splits to talk about how there are no good or bad foods, that there are simply more calorie-dense foods and more calorie-light foods. There are simply more nutritionally-dense foods mm. and nutritionally-light foods. That all those things tend to correlate, direct, correlate directly to each other. Um, but, I, yeah, I did have a few sleepless nights when the penny dropped that that was something that I was really going to have to put in to the second book. But hey, it's all a learning curve, right? Oh, definitely. And I've been there. I've I've been that guy that has not gone out and eaten food because I, w I was worried about what I might be eating. Yeah. I've been to that extreme length. But I appreciate that extreme length because I now know the type of results that you can get. Mm -hmm. So anyone that's done the protocol in your first book will go, wow, mm -hmm. that's the results that you can get when you dial everything really in really tight yeah and it's good because i did that and i got loads of results and now i've got a great happy medium i'm in yeah. a great maintenance place like there's my food is very varied and very happy my training program is very flexible and i look pretty decent most of the time like that's a good place to be in yeah, i did go through that process of being a bit more obsessive and extreme yeah I think some people, and this, and again, we talk about this on Ben's podcast when, when he interviewed me, some people, and I am definitely one of them, really have to get to that point before they find their balance. I could never just like stumble and feel and gently find my way to balance. That's not who I am. Like mm. I have to really get to a point where I'm like, hang on, wait. <laughs> there's got to be a, a better way here mm. and that's how I best do it um and I've learned that in a, in a professional sense as a, as a coach as well as a, a personal sense in terms of how I now approach my photo shoot prep but I now do a lot longer prep so that I can be a bit more flexible so that I can take my time with it um as opposed to what I used to do which was whew, I, don't, I don't know how I did it but like I was all in uh for a few weeks and it was it was amazing what I would do but yeah I definitely learned that's not optimal for me anymore.
it's interesting. I talking of dieting. I did a a, a diet for a, a photo shoot for a cover of a magazine about two months ago, and I hadn't really properly dieted for a good couple of years. And I remember I was like, "Oh, this is how rubbish it is." Yeah. And it is the reality. Like dieting is not fun. You have to eat less. You have to miss out on a few things. That is just the reality. Um, but when people, I want people to go through that process because when you get to that place where you can get balance, it's a truly great place to oh, yeah. feel empowered by your nutrition and not let your nutrition control you. Yeah. So many people that are controlled about the food that they eat, there's anxiety around it. Like, am I allowed to eat that? That's not a good place for anyone. 100%. I really want to see that shift in people. Get that control back. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, okay, so we're going to wrap up now, but I just want everybody to know that Ben really, really knows what he's talking about. He is very educated, very experienced. He has personal experience um, and professional experience. And I want to give you the floor to talk for a minute or less than or more than about something that you really feel needs to be said uh, to my, but the health and fitness audience, um, that if it could be the last thing you say and you never do a podcast again, what would you say? So live your best life. Ask yourself right now, are you living in awesome levels of health? Do you feel that you look awesome? And what can you do to change that? Um, Listen to all the advice. Listen to you, listen to me, listen to other people and find your own way. Like other people have had their journey and that's worked for them. Start to try these different things. If something breaks or it doesn't work for you, don't panic. It's just another journey. Mm. And, you know, in the modern fitness culture, everyone wants to, results tomorrow. Mm. And let me guess, you're not, you're not going to get it. And also, you're not allowed it. You're not allowed instant results because you don't learn anything from it. Mm-hmm. It's like um, food intolerance testing. I don't like it because people learn nothing from it. I'm like, yeah. go and do a food exclusion diet and learn a bit about your body. So um, be honest with yourself. Be honest with what needs to change and identify with the positive things that happen in that change. You mm-hmm. can feel empowered to keep making those changes. I second everything you said. I actually recently did a food intolerance test and posted about it online and removed it within the hour because I had some of my absolute heroes, some of who are coming on the podcast, basically saying to me, look, this is not optimal. You need to do a food exclusion diet. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I I don't think you should, you know, I really respect what you do and I don't think you should be facing this. I immediately took it down. And and I've been doing a lot of research into it since and it is fascinating. Um, but yeah, exactly. Uh, and that in itself embodies what you said. Make a mistake, take a mm. second, take a step back, look into it and learn. And um, yeah, increase your knowledge, increase your understanding and uh, good luck to you. Thank you so much, Ben. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to have you on the other side of the microphone. So that does it for today's episode of the podcast. Now, don't forget to tune in next week when we will be talking to two of my favorite people in the industry, Ashton Turner and David Arnott, who taught me how to Olympic lift and they taught me how to track my calories and macros back in the day. Definitely, definitely make sure you tune into that one. And don't forget, if you are enjoying the podcast, please give us a like, hit subscribe, leave a comment, give us any kind of positive feedback. We want it, we need it, we appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Have a good week. Now might be the perfect time to invest in your education. If you have work experience and would like to return to study part-time for a diploma or degree in business, 
Consider joining UCD Quinn School. Our flexible program means you can continue working whilst undergoing your studies. Find out more at ucd.ie forward slash Quinn and search part-time courses. UCD Lachlan Quinn School of Business. Developing impactful business leaders. Sports Social Podcast Network.